Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. I am so excited to introduce to you to someone who's a newer friend of mine who I really, really respect. Angie Lee is, she has millions of podcast downloads. She has one of the best personal development events for female entrepreneurs. It's called Pays to be Brave. She's releasing a book called Ready is a Lie. She's built hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. And she is someone that was just told, hey, you couldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. It's not going to work. It's a waste of time. You're crazy. And yet, here she is in her young years, just crushing it. And I wanted to invite her on to tell her, tell for her to tell us and tell you exactly how the heck that she does all that and give us all of her marketing secrets. So here she is, Angie Lee. I'm so excited to be here. Let's do it. I love geeking out on all things branding and marketing. So I'm here. (laughs) Well, and I feel like you're like one of the, the case studies of like, Hey, like you're someone who's just done it. So, so tell us, first of all, like, how did you kind of get into building a personal brand and like, how did all that, you know, how did you even start? And then we'll talk about why you think it's gone well and how to do it. Yeah. When I started this, I was 19 years old, 10, 11 years ago. I didn't know I was building a personal brand. I didn't, I didn't know what creating content was. And Mm. I really was someone who just genuinely loved to share my life with people. I genuinely loved to give tips. And at the time it was health and wellness. And so I was on campus in school and my first year of college and I hated college. I hated school. Typical entrepreneur selling lemonade on the corner since I was little and school was a cage for me. It was jail. So Mm. instead of going to class, what do you do? You start videoing yourself working out and you post it on MySpace and you share share with your friends or I was creating recipes and, and smoothie recipes and health tips. And I went all in and I became obsessed with creating content. And what happened is through that, I realized that there was this whole world of digital marketing. And I became obsessed with how do I take this passion that I have for wellness online and get women to purchase eBooks or have ad space or do coaching programs. And so it kind of all evolved from me starting this blog. And then what started with three to four readers, one of them being my mom, then eventually became women telling their friends and their friends' friends. And I just stayed really consistent And this is crazy to say, but I think in 10 years of creating content, I've maybe taken 10 to 20 days off in a sense of creating some sort of piece of content, whether that's written, visual, auditory, 
I've just been obsessed with connecting with people every day and sharing with them. And then when I realized I could turn this into a business instead of becoming a dietitian and making $20,000 a year, working 80 hours a week in Bufu, Idaho, which is what I was going to school to do, I realized that there was, there was something here. And I can still remember the day that a woman paid me $60 for a wellness ebook. And I remember thinking I was loaded. I was like, I'm rich. I have $60. I, I've made it. Mom, don't worry about me. I've got it. Right? Like, I, I'm good. I got a woman paid me $60 from across the country for an ebook. And then a day later, this company paid me 40 bucks for ad space on the blog. And, and again, you know, I was 19. You're broke. You're broke in college. A hundred dollars is like you make, make are money. set for life. And so I remember yeah. being like, "This is it. I'm gonna make it." But I do remember that moment, and I think every entrepreneur remembers their first digital sale because it's such a beautiful moment of if I can get one stranger on the internet mm. to find value in what I do, who lives all the way across the world or country, I can get thousands of people to do this. And once I realized that, it's been game over. And that's when I've been committed to showing up, creating content and finding all of these different ways to be paid to be a coach, a teacher, an educator, an influencer. And it's evolved. You know, what started as health and wellness then evolved into marketing coaching because women started to ask me, how did you turn this into a business? How have you made this a full-time gig? And through that, I found out, which probably isn't one of your steps of your process, that my biggest passion really is, is marketing. I love marketing because as you know, marketing is communication. It's the most beautiful form of communication. And I think if you understand humans and you love understanding humans, you can become a phenomenal marketer. So man, what started I love as, a, the, as a blog I, about push-ups is now uh, this crazy career. Well, and I just, I love that idea that it's like, if you can just get one person, like once you get that one person and you go, gosh, I can recreate this and I can scale this. One of the things that I love about your posts and, you know, I actually, I don't follow a ton of people and I actually follow you, uh, particularly on Instagram. Yes is because you don't sell the dream that it's easy. You sell the dream that it's possible and you talk about consistency and you lay out like you just did. Like it's not the, hey, I'm gonna throw up a website and run some Facebook ads and be a millionaire overnight, which you see a lot of. And I've never figured out a way to do that. And none of our clients have ever figured out a way to do that. And none of my friends who are very successful have figured out how to do that. I feel like it's that true story of consistency. And so can you just, Help us understand, like, what was the timeline? Like, how long from the time that you were like, oh, I'm uh, throwing up some weird blog, you know, I'm just basically trying to avoid being in class in college, to when it was like, okay, I'm really going to do this seriously. And then what was the timeline between that moment and then the moment where it was like, hey, I'm actually starting to make real money. And then it's like, hey, this is full time. And like, hey, this is awesome. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm being paid as much as I'm being paid to do this. So like, what's yeah. that horizon look like? Yeah, I would say 19 to 21, 22 was, I have no idea really what I'm doing, but I'm going to keep showing up, making side money here and there. Had and you were other still jobs. in school. Of course, I was still in okay. school until I dropped out because I hated college, but... <laughs> but for I a was, couple of years, you were, yeah. this was like a, just a total like side hobby kind of yeah. a thing. Yeah, I would do it in between classes late at night instead of going to class. I remember being in chemistry tests, which are very intense. You guys, they're very intense. Answering to my blog readers because I was just obsessed. I was like, oh my God, I, I need to talk to these people because they have questions. And I, I didn't really know yet if I could monetize it, but I won't lie to people. I've always been a businesswoman. I've always seen the world through the lenses of a marketer and a businesswoman. And I'm always thinking of ways to 
create something, sell something, share something. And so within about two years, I started Googling what is digital marketing and started watching mm. these corny videos from probably, God, who was like the big digital marketer then? I don't even remember who it was. I would watch these videos up late at night. And I, I remember I would tell my, my roommate, like, oh my God, look at this. You can set up a funnel and people will opt into it and then they'll buy your shit. Like, this is crazy. She's like, okay, whatever. Just go get a job. That sounds really weird. People aren't going to do that. Nobody's going to pay for space on a blog. No one's going to pay you to podcast. Like, I don't think you really should because this is right before social media really boomed. And it was almost as if I anticipated what was going to happen in this huge economic shift of the technological revolution, as you call it. And so I started to get these ideas of like, no, this is how people are going to learn fitness and business. And this is how people are going to buy stuff. So maybe I can position myself as someone who could teach fitness, but do it online so that I don't have to work at a gym or go to, go to a dietetics office, right? And, or, or a hospital. And so it really became this obsession with digital marketing, but it did take probably two and a half to three years until I was making a part-time income enough where I could okay. actually see that this could be a real thing. Like, wow, I have real steady clients whether it was group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, ad space, eBooks, downloads. That, but you were also doing it part. Realize, you were also like, doing it part time then as well. Oh, like it took you two and a half to three years to get there to a part time income. But you were also doing it part time yeah. as well. It wasn't like you were doing it eighty hours a week and then it yeah. took three years. It was yeah. like you were kind of dabbling and doing different stuff. But like once you said, like, okay, so. I'm going to go after this. So was that like right after basically you dropped out of school and said, okay, I'm going to yeah. do this as my job? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. It, it was a burn the boat situation because I didn't want to go work in corporate. And, and whenever I did, I always felt like I was lost and I felt like I didn't belong there. And my ideas were too creative and I wanted to make my own hours. And I was getting clear signals from the universe and God that I was not meant to be an employee of, of a large company. And so that's when I really doubled down. And, and you guys know listening, when you are against the wall, that's when you make it happen. And I think that's what's really beautiful about the time we're in right now. I think when you know you have to do it, that's when you do. And I realized, hey, I'm $100,000 in debt from college that I didn't really go to. I'm passionate about digital marketing. Digital marketing. I've made thirty dollars to $40,000 here and there. If I can make that, I could go full-blown and make this a full-time business. And that's when I became obsessed, like I tell you, with studying digital marketing and figuring out how do I take something I love and make money from it online. And I studied revenue streams. And man, once you open up a businesswoman to digital marketing who wants to work from home and not have a boss, it's, it's game over. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so how long did it take then to go from, okay, first two or three years, it's like, it's a hobby and I'm making yeah. hobby income. And then you go, okay, my back's up against the wall. I either need to get a real job or I'm going to do this. You say, okay, I'm going to do this. How long does it take to like make real money, yeah. make six figures, that kind of a thing? Yeah. I was 25, I would say, when it became really real. So five years ago. So right in the middle, five years hardcore. That's when I realized, okay, six figures, multiple six-figure launches, really started to double down on my organic funnels, my marketing, affiliate marketing. That's when things started to get a little bit more smooth, but still ups and downs. Not every launch was amazing. And then 25 to 28, still busting my ass. I mean, the whole process was busting my butt. And it wasn't actually until, to answer your other question, it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I've had one of those moments of, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that this is my job. 
I'm paid to speak on stages. I'm paid to host a party, as you like to call it. Mm-hmm. I'm host to share about other people's cool products and make multiple six figures from these launches. I mean, last year was insane to know that I was paid to be an affiliate marketer. Like, it's all still really surreal to me, but it all comes back down to brand. It comes back down to that very first post I made when I was 19 years old, and it was about burpees and push-ups and green juice. Like, that's where it started, if you think about it. But now, eight, nine years later, I really feel like, oh my gosh, I feel safe in this. I feel like I, for the rest of my life, will have a personal brand and will be able to play in a few different spaces. But that was not a fun eight, nine years, a lot of it, you know, ups, downs. I had debt in the beginning. I was confused. I didn't have a lot of coaches. I should have hired more coaches. I kind of just Googled a lot. (laughs) I Googled a lot of stuff because, you know, I was nervous to invest in myself, which wasn't always smart and now building a bigger team. And so it's crazy that now I feel like it's finally all in all came to fruition. Uh Uh-huh. So let's talk about the digital marketing for a second. What are some of the things that you know now that are very clear that like you didn't know then? So, you know, you're coming out of college and you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you start Googling stuff and you go, damn it. Like if this took me, like I can think of in my life, I can think of there's like two or three lessons that were, they took me a few years to learn. And it's like, I can teach them in five minutes, but it took me a few years. What are some of those big moments for you specifically? Like, I think a lot of people listening here, there's probably less people listening that are, you know, in college going, oh, I want to do a side hustle. But a lot of people going, hey, I just got laid off from my job or my income got cut or my husband or my wife's income got cut or, you know, and it's like, I need to like figure something out. And I don't really know anything about digital marketing. So what are some of those big, big lessons you think? Yeah. Oh, you guys are going to love me and hate me for saying this, but there are rules, but there are no rules. And what I mean by that is beating to my own drum. Is that the saying? Beating to my own drum okay. and doing things a little bit different than most marketers do has actually been a benefit. And so in the beginning, I tried to follow all the scripts, all the funnel scripts, all the downloads, all the sales call scripts. And I think I was obsessed with following someone else's blueprint and that actually hindered my authenticity and as corny as it sounds, it's, it's the truth when it comes to building a personal brand. The more you are you, and maybe sometimes that's weird. Maybe that is your emails have some spelling errors. Maybe it's you, you want to craft your email the way you want to craft it. You don't want to follow the rules you learned in one specific webinar. I believe that that is going to shine and stand out more than anything. I think that the world right now is craving real and authentic. And I wish... I would have started being that way sooner because the moment I was authentic was the moment this brand built, this, this mm. brand grew and I built super fans. Like I have fans that are not just, Oh, I'll buy from you there. I'll buy from you for life and whatever it is. And the reason I was able to do that is because I woke up one day and realized I have to fully be me. And sometimes that's imperfect and it's weird. And, and they're noticing that when they read my emails or they consume my content, it's a little bit different than what most girls in the space are doing. And it's one because I have blinders on, and two, it's because I made the, I finally stopped doing what I did in the past, which was I don't follow specific scripts. Even as an affiliate marketer, I don't follow the copy swipes and you can, I'm not to say these things, not to say these things don't work for some people, but I excelled as an affiliate marketer last year with a few different people in their launches. And they all wanted to know what was the system? What was the strategy? What was the thing? I'm like, guys, there wasn't a thing. The thing was I show up on video. I talk to my people like they're my best friend. I give them value and they feel like they know me and they trust me. And that one, it wasn't a specific email sequence. There wasn't one swipe copy I sent and ooh, it got them in. It's just at the end of the day, that stuff can work, but nothing can replace being a human and speaking to another human and just being real Mm. with them. And you know, as all of this is growing, 
consumers are becoming smarter. So they know when they see an ad, they know when they hear an ad, they know what you're doing. So the more that you can be genuine and the more that you can integrate in your ads or your sale into what you're doing, the better. And it, that's been my saving grace. I, I tell women that all the time. I'm like, I haven't been as scripted as most people. And I think that's actually been, been a benefit. So for you guys listening, follow your own damn rules if it feels like the right thing to send or right thing to say. So that is awesome. I, I love that. So what you just said there is you said, uh, you know, if it feels like the right thing to send, that reminded me of something that emotionally there, you know, there's a big fear here, particularly if there's people who have been successful in something, but they're newer to digital marketing. And it's like, oh man, or just marketing in general. And this is another thing that I really love because you talk about it so much is I think some people have that psychological barrier to, I don't want to be seen as a marketer. I don't want to be seen as a spammer. How do you overcome some of those feelings of like, well, if I send emails to a bunch of people, doesn't that make me a spammer? And like, you know, like the mindset, I guess, of the balance of serving the audience, but also generating revenue to, to provide like for yourself and your staff. Yeah, there's long-term and then there's short-term, right? And sometimes you have to do what you have to do for the short-term. But I believe if you hold out a little bit and your patience and you focus on the long-term of having a, a personal brand that can last you, I mean, I'll probably be doing this in my 60s, you know? I'll just be on those live videos chatting with people, writing books, <laughs> speaking on stages. I don't know what I'll be doing. I'll be doing something fun. But I'm in this for the long haul. And I've known that since the beginning when it started to get real, as you asked, like when I really started to make money and realized this was a thing and starting to get people saying, oh my God, I love your work and getting that first email back from the blog saying, oh my gosh, I need to hear from you. When I realized it was real is when I realized that I have something valuable in front of me. And if I am the asset of this company and this business, I cannot burn out and fizzle out immediately, or this is going to crash and burn. So I am very delicate of when do I directly sell? And then when am I simply just brand building or nurturing? So I do have a flow, I guess you could say that in the beginning was more structured and now I organically can feel it. And I feel like as a female, we're very intuitive with a lot of the things we do in business. So I'll feel out the push and the pull. And that's what marketing and sales is, right? Push and pull. And so I'll feel out, okay, am I in a season of I'm spending the next six to eight weeks of pure value, no pitch, no strings attached. I'm just throwing value at them. And then Am I, or am I in a season of, okay, I'm making more asks, but when I'm delivering so much value for months on end or as a major, or for the majority of the time, when I do make the ask, it's not a big deal and they're not weirded out by it. So I think one, it's knowing what season are you in and knowing there's seasons of push and there's seasons of pull and there needs to be that nice balance of you showing up for them with no strings attached. Like one of my best tips for people on Instagram stories is, you know, as someone who's also an influencer and paid by ads to, to do work. There's a lot of times I'll share a resource or content or books or podcasts that I have no affiliation to. There's no dollar amount. I'm not connected to it. Maybe I wish I was a little bit, but I just share it to share it to show, Hey, you guys are my friends and I'm going to share things when I'm not paid, obviously. And by building that trust, then when I do make a sale, they know it's genuine because it's coming from a place of, listen, I'm not trying to always sell you. So mm. I do think there is a delicate balance, but I also believe that again, you, you have to be obsessed with what you're selling. So for me, I won't share something or create something that I don't genuinely love from the face wash to a book, to a course, to an affiliate thing. I just, I can't, it's just not in me to not be genuine. And I believe that that genuineness is what leads to sales and that genuine passion for something is what leads to sales. So I would really encourage you guys listening, 
you got to love what you do. You've got to be obsessed with it. Because listen, if you're not obsessed with the pencil, you can't sell it to someone else. You know, it, I see women being like, buy this. It's great. I'm like, you're not excited. I'm not excited. So I think enthusiasm can go a long way, but it has to be genuine. Yeah, I, I think Sales. that's awesome. And I, I think that's a really cool illustration you're using there of like, make sure it's not the only things you're promoting or the things you're getting paid to do. Like, make sure you're promoting things that it's like, hey, this is what I actually use every day. I think that's awesome. So I want to actually talk about Instagram because you're, you've built a really wonderful Instagram following is super engaged. As I mentioned, I follow you personally. And what do you think creates growth on Instagram platform Mm. specifically? And I'm also interested in what do you think creates growth on your podcast specifically? And sort of like, what's the difference between kind of those two platforms in terms of like what types of content and frequency and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Ooh, I'll, I'll keep this as short as possible. So this isn't a 10 hour webinar, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I geek out on this stuff so I could go forever. But growing, here's the deal, you guys. Instagram is not a SEO friendly growth platform. YouTube is, podcasts are a little bit more so because of keywords and search. Instagram is a nurture platform. It's a place where you have already, it's a place where you're nurturing your current people. And I'll give you a hack on how you can grow on there, but it's more of a place to nurture and go deep with your current people. And then places like YouTube or podcasts are more of the funnel to get to Instagram. I believe Instagram is your party. And then, you know, to get to the party, you first have to hear about the party from YouTube's, uh, from YouTube or, or podcasts. So it's really about those two places being more SEO friendly to drive the traffic then to Instagram. So when it comes to Instagram growth, Shareable content is everything. And what I mean by this is a piece of content, uh, an infographic, an educational post, a really heartfelt post, a funny video, something that someone else will read or consume and say, oh my gosh, this is funny, entertaining, gave me some sort of value. I'm going to comment because you asked me to engage. Uh, It's so valuable. I need to share this onto my wall. I'm going to tag three of my friends in this because this is so funny or this is so educational or this is so interesting or it's a, it's a belief system that I also share. So by me sharing it, I look smart because I shared the quote. Knowing human psychology and why people share things, it usually comes down to a few reasons. It was funny, it was interesting, it was valuable, or they have the same shared belief as you, so they felt the need to share it. So for me, I have this nice balance of what I call intimate content or storytelling. So I'll just have a picture of me and then I'll infuse some story. And then what I'm infusing a lot in 2020 is growth related content, which is shareable content. So today I'm doing an infographic and then another day, maybe I'll do an IGTV. IGTVs are great for growth right now because people reshare them or comment. So the best way to grow is to get someone to comment their friends in the comments or for them to share it onto their stories. And then people say, Oh my God, what's that video? That video looks so interesting. Bob just gave the top five tips to blah, blah, blah. I should go check it out. I need to learn more about that. So that's the only way to truly grow on Instagram as it's a platform that doesn't have SEO capabilities to it. Now, like technically speaking there, just to, to pause mm-hmm. on that for a yeah, second, yeah. as you go, like from a technical standpoint, the best way to grow there is for someone to share your post to their yeah. story. They yeah. can't share it to their feed, which is sometimes annoying, but they could share it to their story, which is going to be where their most engaged audience is. Yeah. So now all of their most engaged people are going to see that and or to actually physically get your followers to comment on your post and tag one of their friends or followers in that post. Yes. Yes. So before I'll post, I'll know, is this a nurture 
intimate storytelling piece of content or is this to bring in new people and it's a growth piece of content. So I'll do a nice 50-50 blend on there. And when I'm creating a growth piece of content, like a quote or an infographic or an interesting IGTV, I'm creating it with the intention of Susan commenting Sarah and Becky so that her friends see it and maybe they share it with their friends, they share it with their network marketing team. And that's how it's grown organically. And that's honestly how the podcast grew organically because I'm, I'm an organic marketer. I don't run ads. So for me, I really have to focus on shareable content. What would be so good or so valuable that a girl would say, oh my God, this is so, sometimes it's funny. I just like being weird. So I'll say, what's so funny that she's going to tag her friend or what was so educational that she felt the need to share this with her network marketing team or her friends who are also entrepreneurs in business and small business owners. So for me, it's like education and humor. If I, if I constantly vacillate between those two, I've seen that my growth will do really, really well. So again, it's, it's more about not creating always what I want to create, but what they would find interesting and then they would post. So that's how you grow on a platform that's not SEO friendly yet. I hope it is one day, but it's really smart as well to have a podcast and or YouTube and mention Instagram in those two places so you can then drive the traffic from those SEO friendly places back to the podcast, which is, or back to Instagram, which is your home to nurture them and really get to know people. Because as you know, stories is like such an awesome place to convert to the sales for a lot of people because it is so intimate. Yeah. So I'll talk, I want to talk about stories in a second, but so I actually want to share. So this is one of my things that I struggle with. I feel cheap asking people to comment below. Uh-huh. I, so, so when I was in comedy training, um, I was one of the people that I was coached was a guy named Eddie Brill, who was the talent booker for the tonight show. And he used to call that pandering where comedians would be like, Hey, how's everybody doing tonight? And it's so weird because it was like, I took this one class from this guy years and years ago. And for some reason, that's like the one thing that sticks with me is like, and I feel like I'm pandering when I do that yet everybody that grows does this. I mean, yeah. Trent Shelton does it all the time. Jay Shetty does it all the time. Gary Vee does it all the time. Grant Cardone, like these people, these monster followings that are not celebrities, but they're like personal brands and they've kind of become celebrity personal brands. They're always doing it. So do you, have you ever had that reluctance yeah. or like, yeah. is that just stupid? You just go, well, <laughs> who cares? Like just do it anyways. Or like, what, what would you coach, coach yeah. me on this? Yeah, it does feel a little corny and weird because everyone's doing it. It's like, eh, comment below. So what I'll do is I'll say to myself, okay, I do need to ask them to engage because if I don't ask them, they may not do it. So it is smart to, to tell your sure, audience I'm what with you, you want on them to that. do and train them. But I'll, I'll try to make it a more interesting question or something I actually think is funny or, or, or quirky or weird or who would you choose, A or B? Or, you know, make it something where it's a little bit more interesting for me versus just comment because they're like, what do you want me to say? I make it easier for them and say, this is what you should comment. Like, do you like this or that? Or do you, but you know what I've noticed if something's good, because this is how I am. And I think, okay, if my girl's a lot like me on social, then she'll do the same thing. If something is funny or interesting or educational or valuable, I will tag a friend because I want her to see it or I will, or I will, and or I will share it on my wall. So I actually don't think you need to always ask them to comment. I think if it's good shit, it will spread like good shit always spreads. So I think it's really smart. <laughs> That's going to be the signature quote from it this does. interview. That it, does. Gonna... It, just, it just does. I'm so committed to creating such good content that Susan can't not tell her friend, go check it out because she's the only girl I know teaching marketing like this. Like that has been my commitment and my obsession. So when I create something, I'm like, I'm going to teach it in a way where 
this live IGTV, which guys get on IGTV. It's so good for engagement right now. It's amazing. It's the favorite child of Instagram. I don't even say comment in it. They're just like, Oh my gosh, I shared this with my team. It was so good. So I think if you're a smart content creator and if you're someone who's valuable and has value like you do, I think it's easy for you to pump out things that people would say, Oh my goodness, this is good stuff. Like I needed that tip today. So guys, it always comes back to good quality content and giving away value or entertainment. That's what people mm -hmm. want, you know? And so I, I do, I don't like these super corny, like, yeah, you could tell they just posted it just to get like, a no, but that helps. Like to me, it's, to <laughs> me, it's different where it's like tag, a, it's different between just kind of going like tag a friend who needs to see this and more going like, who do you know that is struggling with this thing in your life? Yeah. Share this with that person. Like, just like what would be interesting to me or to go, you know, who's somebody, you know, that's a leader tag them so that they can see this like, yeah. or who is someone you know that's really good at this versus just saying, hey, tag a friend so that I get more views, like making it more meaningful. That's actually really helpful to me. I yeah. like that. Yeah, um, being selfless with it will always pay off. You know, it might take a little bit longer, but it's so worth it. Yeah, totally. So I do want to ask you about the stories. Before we do that, we're running, we're running long on time. I knew we would go fast, which, which we have here. <laughs> um, where should people go if they want to learn more about Angie Lee mm. and follow you and also, you know, kind of who is share a little bit about who your perfect person is so that they, yeah. you know, they know who you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. I mostly help female small business owners. So online coaches, online network marketers, wellness coaches, life coaches, beauty coaches, fitness coaches, women who have a small DTC brand. So it's women who essentially want to tap into the personal, the personal brand space. Um, and you guys can check me out at AngieLee.com or listen to The Angie Lee Show on iTunes. And I'm hanging out a lot on IG stories and on my podcast. Um, yeah, so I actually, and I want to ask you about the podcast just really quickly mm -hmm. too before stories. Top tip for growing the podcast of just, because that's been a monster for you. Like you have millions yeah. and millions of downloads yeah. of, of all your platforms like, you know, if you look at web traffic, social, YouTube, blah, 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 your podcast is really like the thing that feels like it's jamming. What do you think that comes from? I love that I don't have like one strategic answer. So, because as you guys, it was intentional, but not intentional. You know what I mean? And I think sometimes that's the way it works when you really, really love it. But here's what I've been good at. I've been good at creating hype and excitement around it. Going back to the mm -hmm. passion or the obsession. I've been good at building sub tribes in my community who cheer for me and tell their friends about me so that I don't have to spread the word. And that's the epitome of sub tribes, right? Is creating your, your subculture in your personal brand. So your people are telling their people to go listen to you because Susan can tell her Beckys to go listen to me better than I can tell the Beckys because they're two away from me. So two steps away from me. So the way that I've done it is one, creating the sub tribes and the excitement Two, I've done a good job at teasing pre and post show. And I haven't done this in the last year as much, and I may start to do this again, but I treat each episode like an event. So for an example is I used to get on Facebook live and I would tease the topic and say, guys, if you want to hear the other three tips, you have to go listen to this episode, go check it out on iTunes. And it was almost like I had a pre party or an, or an after party to the show. And then they wanted to go listen to the rest. So that has been a really awesome way for me to spread it. And then I treat it like affiliate marketing in a sense where I find tribe leaders. So women who have a community or women who have a network marketing team and they share the podcast to their women. So for me, it's been interesting to see how it's spread really through other people spreading it to their networks, right? And as an organic marketer, literally, I don't run ads. I've had to rely on almost my community being the outreach. So one, get your people to cheer you guys on more than anyone to create hype and excitement around it, whether this is getting on live or stories, creating graphics 
and exciting things to get people excited to listen. And I think making sure the topic and the name is niche specific in the beginning, you know, now it's my name, but I think in the beginning, let's say you guys have a show on beauty or wellness, I think having it be something specific so people know what it's going to be about. And you teach on this, doubling down, getting focused on something, becoming the best at something. It's like Dave Ramsey. The reason his show blows up is because people were searching for the word finances or debt. So have a searchable term, know what the problem is you solve, create a show around that. And then as your brand grows, you can teach on whatever you want and have a little bit more flexibility. But I think it's really important in the beginning to have it be a niche specific show. So then there is more searchability to it on on iTunes. I mean, love it. it's a long game though. <laughs> well, in the, sure. I mean, it all is. It all is that. Again, it all is, yeah. something that you do. Um, all right. So one last, one last thing. I'm going to steal one more tip. Yeah. Pro- using IG stories to promote. How important is it? What do you do? How do they fit in? Or why are they so critical to the overall like monetization strategy? Yeah. To give you guys some real life data here. I used IG stories, which is a completely free platform. And obviously I was very consistent on there on there for a few years as soon as it came out, but I used it to sell out my last live event of 1500 women, zero paid ads. That was all I did. I did a bunch of IG stories every day, just talking about how exciting it's going to be, how amazing it's going to be. You need to be there. We had affiliates sharing it on their IG stories. So in addition to my stories, they were sharing it as well. We had a whole affiliate system of tribe leaders and You guys, the power of video is irreplaceable. The way that someone can feel within 15 to 30 seconds of seeing you on video, just speaking from your heart saying, hey, go check this out or you need to be there. It's irreplaceable. You know, I mean, you could have the most beautiful sales page in the world, but if people have not seen your face, your mannerisms or heard your voice, I don't feel like they're as pulled to buy or to work with you because they don't know you yet. People need to hear you and or see you. It's just so important for the sales process. So For me, I'm all about the intimacy game. My question isn't how can I sell more, it's how can I get more intimate with my people, which maybe sounds Mm. creepy, but I'm always asking myself, how can I be a little bit more intimate? Ooh, how can I be more intimate and vulnerable and authentic? Ooh, how can I be more intimate, vulnerable and authentic? And especially serving women, the more I focus on that, the more my business blows up, which just shows they wanted to get to know me and trust me before they made the decision to buy for me. And there's no better way to do that than video. And guys, 15 second video that keeps you engaged. There's engagement features, there's music, gifs, weird stuff. I mean, game over. It's like YouTube, but you don't have to do all the crazy editing. So man, it's my favorite thing. I think it's the most fun. And it's, it's a place where you can have this beautiful blend of teacher and friend. So friend, hey, this is my life. I'm farting around. I'm being weird. This is my dog. This is my cat, whatever. And then I can also show that I'm an expert and have a level of expertise and say, hey, this is what I also know. And here's what I'm going to teach you. And I think that that blend does really, really well on IG stories of friend and teacher. I love it. Angie Lee, my friends, check her out. Uh, check out her podcast. We'll put links to that in the show notes. Angie, thanks for your consistency. Thanks for your honesty. And I think it's just inspiring to me and empowering to hear you not selling that the dream is easy, but selling that the dream is possible. So we wish you the best. Oh, thanks, Rory. This is amazing. That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it 
to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free lifetime access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we will get you set up with free lifetime access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.